welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary, coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions Broadcast Studio, your one-stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary with a fantastic team, ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs. Check them out online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. You can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at primetimeclean, twitch.tv slash primetimepk, and you can email the show couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. Coming up on the program today, an embarrassing loss for the Calgary Flames, and it's off-season time in the NFL and CFL. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Hi, I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein, and this is We Had No Idea. A podcast about world events that you know about. But might have fallen asleep for during history class. Or social studies, however you learn history in high school. Each week, we'll do a deep dive into important topics throughout history. So whether you already know everything or feel like you need to top up on some history, we'll be here for you. Listen to us each week wherever you get your podcasts. Woo! We begin with the Flames in what was an embarrassing loss against the Ottawa Senators. Uh, they were up 3-1 to one with three minutes left and lost the game 4-3 in overtime. The Flames now have the same number of wins as the Senators do um, going into, or coming out of play last, I guess... After last night, Ottawa won again, didn't they? So the Flames now have less wins than the Ottawa Senators this season. It is all because the Flames have been able to get their way to overtime with 11 overtime losses now that they have been able to kind of keep their head above water here. And, well, not even above water. They're still below when it comes to uh, a playoff spot. But just nights like that cannot happen. They, They simply cannot. And it is those types of games that... Daryl Sutter being in Calgary is supposed to prevent. And I just, at this point, look, again, incredible respect for Daryl Sutter for what he did with this Flames team, what he has done in his entire NHL coaching career. What is he doing here? Like, what, the the question I have around Daryl Sutter with the Flames right now is what, part of this thing is he just like, you know what? He's nailed that. What what part of Daryl Sutter in Calgary has gone like, okay, well, sure, this hasn't gone well, but because of Daryl, X, Y, and Z has happened. Because um, they're allowing a ton of goals. Now, goaltending is certainly an issue when it comes to that. Absolutely 100% it is. But Daryl's supposed to be the lockdown coach, the guy who gets the most out of his defensive players. And because of that, off you go. That's not happening. Defensive zone, they're running around with their heads cut off. Offensively, this team's putting up a shitload of shots, so maybe that's it. Like, their their shot count is benefiting from Daryl Sutter's strategy of, uh, just put the puck on net. But they're not getting any high-danger chances out of it, and they're not creating a whole lot of offense. Are there any players out there where it's like, oh, wow, this guy's game really turned around under Daryl Sutter? You could make a somewhat compelling argument, I suppose, for Andrew Mangiapane, but... I, I think that that kid was going to be on this trajectory anyway. So maybe that's a little bit unfair to just anything that's going well. It's, ah, that would have happened anyway. But the thing that's supposed to, like, the stuff that Daryl's supposed to be good at, this team isn't doing and isn't doing well. And the veterans that are brought in, I will admit that maybe Trevor Lewis is doing better than I think he is, but that that's, ha- certainly hasn't been a game changer. Um, playing Milan Lucic too much hasn't really been a game changer. Brett Ritchie hasn't been a game changer. The the types of players that Daryl wants have been the ones, I think, holding the Flames back. And his trepidation to not play young players early on in the season, I think, held this team back. And so any 
any way you look at this Daryl Sutter thing, it kind of feels like, you know, I, I really think a lot of the Flames' problems stem back from him fucking around with the lines eight games into the season when everyone was still trying to get settled in. I think it took them a long time to, to get settled back in. And even still, like, I think Huberto is just now starting to come out of it. And there is plenty of blame to go around. Markstrom has not been good this year, and that has cost this team. Hubro has not been the player the Flames needed him to be, and that has cost this team. But with all of those things going on, it was supposed to be okay because you had the the steadying force that is Daryl Sutter there to calm everything down, even under the rocky waters. And I don't think he has done that. I, I, I really, I, I just wonder... What is going on with this? And I've said before on Game Over, and I'll be back on Game Over on Thursday. I have said before with this Flames team, if this season doesn't go well, you're not getting less, Daryl. You're probably getting more. Tree Living's probably gone, and Sutter is probably featured more prominently in the decision-making for this team. But yeah, nights like Monday... Um, simply cannot happen when you are a team battling for a playoff spot. The Flames currently find themselves tied with the Minnesota Wild. The Wild have played one fewer games than Calgary have. Uh, that's for the wild card. The Flames are seven points out of top spot in the Pacific, five points out of a top three spot before their game. Coming up against the Detroit Red Wings, uh, that is at the Dome Thursday evening at uh, at 7 o'clock. But this, this needs to turn around right now because we're, we're coming up to the trade deadline. I don't know if anything can fix this team at this point. Like it's, it, it does feel like a, a really kind of bleak time for the Calgary Flames right now. that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be and find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. Super Bowl 57 is in the books, so it is now time to get ready for the offseason in the NFL as I knock some stuff over on my desk. Um, let's start with the Super Bowl combatants. And also, I didn't really get to the refereeing thing on uh, on Monday's show. Part of that was, um, you know, just accident. Uh, I got rolling and just forgot about it. But part of it, like, I, I don't want to say it was blown out of proportion. Because, yes, that holding call was holding. And yes, that is absolutely a penalty. But that's a penalty that got let go early in the game. And it, I don't think that that call decided the Super Bowl. It just cheated us as sports fans of what was feeling like a really epic finish to one of the great games that we've seen played in the history of the sport. So now we go to the offseason. And I think the Philadelphia Eagles need to realize that while the defense played extremely well this season, that that is an area that they need to address now going forward. Um, depending on... Um, Johnson and Kelsey on the offensive line. That O-line feels set for a while now. Um, but I, I, I think, like, you got the quarterback. You got the playmakers. This team, I, I think if they can really solidify that defense, then they can truly be a team that's going to be a problem for a long time, um, for a long time now. 
I still think Kansas City would like to add another playmaker. I think it would be nice in these late game situations to not rely on Juju Smith-Schuster. Like I said on the show on Monday, I think a full offseason with Andy Reid and with Kadarius Toney, um, I, I think that is going to do wonders to create something there. And I think they have something in Pacheco, but Kelsey is going to start to fade at some point. And I, I think that there needs to be another weapon brought in for uh, for, for Patrick Mahomes this offseason. I think the defense is fine, but they, they can always use a little bit more. So much, both of these teams, so much is based off of creating havoc with that pass rush and being able to, to bring four that I think if you can start to create a bit of havoc outside of that as well, it, it really does... It really does help things out quite a bit for your team. I think the big question now this offseason is around what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson. What do the Baltimore Ravens decide to do? And odds are it's probably going to just be a franchise tag. They're not going to be able to come to any discuss or any agreement on a long-term contract. They're going to franchise tag him, and this thing gets drawn out another year. The question I wonder now, after seeing that game, because that was a, a thing for me, watching that Super Bowl, it's like, oh man, as a Raider fan, my team isn't close. Um, and I, I don't know like how many how many quarterbacks and how many teams really are close right now, right? Like Dallas, no, I don't think so. San Francisco, yes. Cincinnati, yes. Buffalo, maybe. Baltimore, I don't think so. And now you're going to have to pay Lamar Jackson like real money. To, to, to keep him around, and you are already having an issue with a lack of weapons around him. And I understand, part of the draw of Lamar Jackson was you could create an offense around him that was not necessarily going to require you to bring in a $20 million receiver or anything like that. But the dude needs some help at some points, right? And so I don't know if you are going to be able to bring in that type of a player while paying Lamar Jackson what you're going to have to pay Lamar Jackson. The defense was exceptional this year for the Ravens. They need to address the offense, and I just wonder how that's going to go. Other uh, scenarios worth watching is the Derek Carr situation. It was uh, reported that the Raiders were trying to work out a trade with the New Orleans Saints. Derek Carr decided he didn't want to trade. He is now a free agent. I still think the Saints are an okay fit, but I, I think better ones for Derek Carr would include the, the New York Jets. Um, depending on what happens, I, I think Carolina would be an, an interesting fit. Like There are quarterbacks in this year's draft, but you are going to run out of chairs at some point. I, I think... I, I think it's going to be a bit before Derek Carr signs. I, I think a lot of teams would be smart to wait until the draft. I think a lot is going to depend on what happens with Aaron Rodgers, uh, the Jets' interest in um, in the, the Green Bay Packers quarterback. I think that that really affects things in this offseason coming up. Like, that is clearly the first domino to fall. But I think the draft is also going to affect things as well. Like, Indianapolis would be a prime target for, for Derek Carr a couple of years ago. I don't necessarily think that is going to be the case now. I think he would be perfect with the Jets, and I think that's going to be interesting. I think another one is, what do the Raiders do without Derek Carr? You could bring in Aaron Rodgers, but to me, that kind of defeats the purpose. Like, quarterback wasn't the problem for the Raiders this year. It was a problem. Like, Derek Carr did not have a good season, but they have issues on the offensive line. They really can't defend anybody. Like, the... The, the reason in my mind you release a Derek Carr is so that you can maybe find a cheaper option and spread out some of the money to help start to build a foundation there instead of just, oh, let's go get a more expensive quarterback and then see if we can nickel and dime our roster even more and hope that 
um, Aaron Rodgers falling off at the start of last season and then at the end of last season isn't actually happening. It, it just, that doesn't necessarily make sense to me from a Raiders standpoint. If you're going to go with an expensive option, go with the guy who was loved to be there and wanted to be there and wasn't really part of the problem in Vegas this season. And then the other big storyline that I'm going to keep an eye on is what happens with the number one overall pick. The Chicago Bears earned that uh, thanks to a bad season. Sorry, sun's in my eyes as we're recording here early in the morning. Um, they get that number one pick. They do not need a quarterback. I think Justin Fields is the answer at quarterback. If they're going to trade Justin Fields and draft a quarterback, um, I, I think that gets kind of interesting, I suppose. Um, and at that point, from a Raider fan standpoint, it's like, I, I would do that. I would be okay with that one. Um, but I, I think Chicago would be better served trading out of that first spot. I think they have quite a few needs, and I think they'd be able to address that. You look at what the Jets were able to do with one draft. You look at what Seattle was able to do with one draft with multiple picks. Go out and do that. Um, I think that the Bears should do that. The Colts, I think, need to move up into this spot. I think it'd be interesting if the Texans um, tried to stop them from doing that. But I don't think that makes sense from a Texan standpoint. I don't know, and it all depends on what these teams feel of the, the quarterbacks this year with Young, Stroud, and uh, and Levi. I I haven't done a deep enough dive on them yet to, to formally have an opinion, but it, it really does kind of seem like there there isn't like the one answer in this draft. And it feels like there are like five real quality, potentially like franchise changing guys, um, not at the quarterback spot, but just in this draft in general. So... If it, if it were me, everyone's talking about, well, the Texans need to trade up to, to avoid the, the, the Colts getting that. And look, like, it would be nice, um, I'm sure, for the Texans to just not let the Colts have their pick of the litter because they've done pretty well with that in the past. But I, I think from a Texan standpoint, you're fine. Again, depending on your evaluation of these quarterbacks, you are fine getting whoever falls to you at two. And then Chicago is able to kind of build off of what the what they get in that first pick. So that's that's probably how I see it playing out right now. But a lot of things can change. Uh, CFL free agency wrapped up day one yesterday. A couple of quick notes. One... Um, I, I think anyone who has listened to me on this show and on 960 in the past is well aware. Trevor Harris ain't my dude. Uh, I am I, I am not a card-carrying member of the Trevor Harris fan club. I, I, I think he is, quite frankly, wildly overrated. What he is, though, and we talked about calming influences before, what he is, is he is just... You put him out there, and you don't necessarily have to worry about him. Is he going to carry this team to a Grey Cup? No. But you can put him out on the football field and he is not going to lose these games for you. And so he is just kind of a steady force for a team that needs everything, in my opinion. Like, I don't think, we, we talked about this out, coming out of the, the offseason. I don't think that there is really an area on this rider team that you can look at and say, okay, they got that locked down. Um, I, I think that now you, you just bring in a quarterback that you don't necessarily have to worry about and just figure the other stuff out, and then you can make a, a bigger, splashier move once you, again, get that foundation set. I don't necessarily love all the changes at receiver. Duke Williams, uh, I thought was great. Shaq Evans, um, I, I was a really big fan of. We'll see what these adjustments do. Breskison can still be very productive from a, a receiving standpoint, so we'll, we'll see what the, the riders do. On the Calgary front, 
Look, I understand that this has been the Stampeder way for forever. To see on day one a list of like six guys who left and only one guy gets brought in, it's very Stampsy. But I don't think that this team has built up the depth over the last couple of years to be able to make up for that kind of thing. And quite frankly, I don't think they have the quarterback that they did a few years ago to be able to make up for, for that sort of a thing. It's good to see Edmonton really get after it and try to address some of their playmaking needs. Uh, I think they were one of the, the, the bigger winners of day one. Um, Ellingson is on his way to the Montreal Alouettes. I think they did all right. Um, they, they go out and get Cody Fajardo. We know that I don't think he is anything special, but a very interesting start to CFL free agency. All right, time for a brief pause. And when we come back, it's time for today's ticket. The studio sponsor for Coach Potato Diary is Clearwater Cleaning Solutions. They are your one-stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary. They have a fantastic team ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all your cleaning needs. All right, everyone. Time for today's ticket presented by Betstamp. Download the app, use referral code COUCH to let them know that we sent you. A busier than normal Wednesday in the NHL. Let's take a look. Uh, Tampa Bay minus a goal and a half taking on the Arizona Coyotes. That one uh, is plus 102 at Cool Bet. We will lay a Cool Bet down on that one to uh, get things going here. Toronto against Chicago. Man, like it... It looks very blowouty. The fact that Toronto is minus a goal and a half, and that is still minus one sixty-seven. Um, yeah, like th- there isn't really a a way that you can bet that from a Toronto standpoint that makes it valuable. I don't think so. That one's that one's just a pass, I guess. Uh, moving on down in the line. I, normally, I would go Rangers against Canucks, but the the rain the, the Canucks have been kind of keeping in games the the last little bit. Although they did get thumped by Detroit the other night, that was pretty demoralizing. But we'll we'll let that one pass, and we'll just go down to the NBA ticket for today. Again, a lot of games, not a lot of games that really jump out at you. Um, let's go Denver minus five and a half against the Dallas Mavericks. I just think Denver is a better team. They are at home. Um, I think this is going to be a bit of a wake-up call for for Dallas there. That minus 5.5 comes to us from Betway. And you know what? That's all we're going to do today. Sometimes the, the best the, the best edge you have is you don't have to lay money on every game. So we're going to go with Tampa Bay minus a goal and a half against Arizona. And we are going to go with the Denver Nuggets minus 5.5 against the Dallas Mavericks from Cool Bet and Betway. Going to click track. You can do that too when you download the BetStamp app and use the referral code COUCH. That's going to do it for the show today. Thank you all so much for downloading and listening. We'll be back with a Fights and Football Friday on Friday, oddly enough. Um, also, you can find me on Game Over. That is coming out on Thursday after the Flames game against the Detroit Red Wings. Thank you all so much for downloading. Remember to rate, review, subscribe, and I'll talk to you all later.